Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week, we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week, we watched Spider-Man Homecoming, directed by John Watts and released in 2017. The plot of Spider-Man Homecoming goes something like this. After helping the Avengers in Germany, Peter Parker is back at high school in New York looking for ways to use his powers for good. And uh, as we have been doing lately, we will do a quick uh, spoiler-free section on this movie. So first up, Katie, should people see Spider-Man Homecoming? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's no reason not to see this movie. It's great. It's um, And if you like Spider-Man, if you like the Marvel Universe, you'll probably get a kick out of it at least. Um, it's really fun. It's really entertaining. It's a great way to spend a couple hours. Um, I do. I mean, there are little issues with it that we'll go into in the spoilery section. But uh, overall, it's really, really funny and entertaining, and I just don't see why you wouldn't go watch it. <laughs> yes, I agree. It is fun. It's entertaining. It's very much the Spider-Man movie. I think we wanted the last couple of Spider-Man movies to be in a lot of ways. It is. I'm still sad about Andrew Garfield yeah. because Andrew Garfield worked so hard for that role, and he loved it so much. But mm-hmm. um, Tom Holland definitely fills his shoes as a really great Spider-Man. And, so. Yeah, and it's a genuine high school Spider-Man yeah. uh, as opposed to like 28-year-old men playing high schoolers and I think it actually works really well as like a teen movie, a high school movie as well as being a... Um, oh yeah, and it knows it too. It is, um, it is making many, many, many nods to 80s teen movies in particular. Yeah. Yes, it does a really, I think a really good job of that. So I think, um, yeah, absolutely. I think everyone can see it. Now, uh, because we know that most of you will have seen it by the time you listen to this, we are going to get into spoiler territory. So if you um, if you haven't seen it and you don't want to be spoiled, I would turn off the podcast now and come back to us later. Okay. So, yes, this was really fun. It was really and fun. Really funny. Very funny. It, mm. it plays so much more like a comedy than I was expecting. Mm. Um, it's easily the most comedic of the Marvel movies, um, and it really does. I think the action scenes are actually quite weak. Um, most oh, of them. I was, I'll get into that later, but yes. Um, the, the one in the, the Washington Monument one is terrific. Mm. Um, that one's really good. But I think at least part of that is because it's set in the daytime and they had to shoot it so you can see things. Yes. I have real problems with a couple of them. The, the, plane. Ni- the plane one. I couldn't see what I've written in my notes. I can't see what's going on There's here. There's a point at which Peter goes, I can't believe that worked. And I'm like, I don't what know what you're worked? talking about. <laughs> I yep. still can't tell what's going on yeah, on screen. Because they seem to be in two very different parts of the plane. You're not really sure what Peter's holding onto at various different times. It doesn't help that the plane is like part, is camouflaged invisible, and partly yeah. invisible. Although there is real one great shot where the, you can see the top of the plane and you can see Peter along, mm. across the top of the plane because it's reflecting him from underneath. Yes, yes. That was really cool. But the rest of it, no, that no. whole plane sequence right through the whole thing was really disappointing up until the end of it when Peter tries really hard to save Vulture even though he's just been trying to kill him. Mm. And I was like, oh, Peter, that's yeah. so sweet. So, like, that was a really nice character moment to top it off with. But the rest of it, I thought, was pretty disappointing and it's it's the same i mean it's the same problem i had with wonder woman and stuff like that mm. although the the villain's a lot better in that it's just like it's another big action scene that doesn't quite work if you're going to do the big action scene at the end of the movie you've got to save the best big action scene for the end of the mm. movie yeah and the washington monument one is really good as well because if you like me you're not good with heights it really height like it heightens the tension which is what good spider-man movies are really good at this in that you actually feel how high up he is and and there's some there's also feels like real stakes yeah Yeah. there is um and also contains 
very sweet references to the death of Gwen Stacy and also the Upside Down Kiss. Yeah. Famous Upside Down Kiss. So it kind of it nods to fans while also kind of doing something new and a little bit different. And it's got that cool sequence where he jumps over the police helicopter. Yes. And lots of the great. There are just lots of great little bits in that. Mm. Um, the yeah. elevator rescue is good. The climb up the monument is good. The the elevator jump is good. Like mm. there's lots and mm-hmm. lots of little bits. It's it's easily the best action sequence in the movie. Mm. But that that very first one where Vulture picks him up mm. and one goes up into the air, and I'm like, I don't I don't know what's happening. Yeah. And I thought maybe it was on purpose to make us feel disoriented like Peter, but then the other action scenes were the same, and I'm like, oh, it's just your style. Mm. And we've seen a couple movies this week, and it's something that I just noticed about this guy is not a very experienced director. No. And, like, for the most part, you can always tell when they're not very experienced directors. The only one that I can think of recently is um, the fantastic um, Kong Skull Island, um, Jordan Vote Roberts, yeah. who did such a good job and you could not tell at all that that was his first big movie. But this one, the action scenes really suffer. Mm. And, and like, on the other two that we've seen this week, I kept commenting on, oh, wow, the framing is so gorgeous. The lighting is so great. Yeah. And that's just not the case with this one. No. There's one shot in particular that I'm thinking of that tries, like, the music swells. It tries to play really dramatic mm. and it looks dumb and cheesy as hell, which is the one where he sees, like, his reflection in the puddle with half of the Spider-Man mask over yeah. his face and half his face and blank. And you're like, oh, Tony my God. Yeah. <laughs> like, all you need over that is, like, um the, um what is it? Um, Ben's line, damn, it's gone out of my head now. The responsibility one. Oh, with great power comes, comes great, great responsibility. responsibility. Thank you. Yeah. <sighs> Don't know why. But yeah, that, yeah. that like, you know, that just so it's that kind of thing where you're like, you left this mo- this behind a long time ago, this mm. kind of garbage. There's actually a lot of things that I would do to fix that ending, which comes into another problem that I have with the movie, which is that Iron Man's not seamlessly integrated into this movie enough. And I don't know if it's the availability of RDJ. Yeah, I oh, I actually wonder if it's both availability and also they don't want to overuse Iron Man because they but, overuse him in the trailer and it, he's relatively um light lightly used in the film. He is, but it it means that there's a major storyline that's just left unfinished to mm. me. And it it doesn't finish Tony's arc in the movie. And and it should. Um but it also doesn't finish an arc that Tony and Peter had together. Yeah. Um they they sort of seem to think they did with that last scene at the Avengers mansion yeah complex compound where they <laughs> hang out. Yep. <laughs> but it doesn't that doesn't do it at all and I was watching it going no you've got to put Tony in the finale. Mm. So what I would do is have the finale play more or less the same way it did but like better. But right <laughs> at the end of it after he saved Vulture all of the pain that he's gone through because, you know, mm. one of the good things about Spider-Man is to see him being hurt. Yes. Um, he is not a, a superhero that doesn't get hurt like Captain America or somebody like that. He gets hurt. So it's good to see him getting hurt. Mm. Um, and so I would have had him like suffering from all of those injuries. He leaves the note for Happy and then he goes off, but Happy's contacted Tony and then he, Peter tries to get himself home, but I don't know, he passes out or something like that. And then Tony takes him home mm. and that completes their little father son arc in the movie, right? Yeah. They could even hug completing that arc or something like that. And he could like, you know, do the things that his dad didn't do with him and be like, I'm proud of you. And that would complete their little arcs for the movie. Yep. And also then like it feels more kind of like you feel the weight of what Peter's gone through a lot more because you don't really feel that when he's just sitting there watching it and then goes off by himself back home. Mm. And the next shot you see him in, he's like got no injuries. He's completely fine. And it just, ah, I was so frustrated with that. But Mm, yeah. Anyway. (laughs) It's actually interesting that talking about it, I finally realized why I had this sense of 
unease when I finished watching the movie because I really did enjoy myself. I laughed. I had a lot of fun. I really enjoy Tom Holland. He is incredibly charismatic and sweet and just he's really good. And the, the other kids as and well. And he can do the stuff that Spider-Man can do. It's the same mm. thing with Andrew Garfield actually yes, who was a gymnast. he's a dancer. Tom Holland is a dancer. So Tom Holland is a dancer. Yeah. And so I think that's a really good thing to do with your Spider-Man because he can really move. Yeah. And he looks great yes. doing the and stunts. he's so little and compact and perfectly Spider-Man-y. Mm. It's very good yes. casting. I, I, yeah, the, the fact that he is kind of short and he's shorter than his love interest and Which is that fun. kind of stuff. Great. But, and the other kids are so good as well, like the kid playing Ned and oh, um, yeah. t- Tony Easily Revolori. for me the highlights of this movie were the high school stuff. Yeah, but this is the thing. I love the high school stuff. I love the humour, but I didn't feel particularly great about the movie overall, but I think it's because those action scenes let me down because mm. I, I love Zendaya. As um, Michelle. Michelle, she's so good. She's like, she's a direct descendant of the Janice Ians and the Darius of the world. No, no, she's Alison Reynolds from, from Breakfast Club. Right. She's the Ali Sheedy character yeah, yeah. in Breakfast Club. She, like 100% Sorry, her. Jan- Janice Ian and, and Daria yeah, are, the are descendants, also of, descendants of Alison. Of Alison from the Breakfast Club. I have a little Alison Funko Pop at home. I am a big Alison fan. Yeah. But, um, but she's very Alison. Like she's, and her, she's um, and right down to the sort of messy hair and yep. the no makeup. And, and the yep. way that she sits there and sketches people and stuff like that. That mm-hmm. is, it's so like it's such a tribute to Alison that I, that's all I could think of when I was watching her in this movie. Mm. She was, but and she did it really well. She's so great because I don't. But she could also be also be on a completely separate lot doing all that stuff because she's barely in the scenes with other people, right? Uh, but like for this, for, I've only known Zendaya from like red carpet pictures. And it's such a different persona. Like she's, you can tell she's acting because I've only ever seen like the glamorous side of her, the former Disney Channel star, you know, lots of makeup, big fancy ball gowns and dresses and that I've seen that side of her. So it was really good yeah. to see her really getting into this character too. Yeah. And she was good. She was a good kind of like uh, the chemistry between her and the kid who played Ned, whose name I can't remember, mm. and Tom Holland worked well. Yeah. Um. And the, the the fourth girl who played Liz, Laura Harrier, yeah, she didn't quite fit into that, but she wasn't no. meant to. No, she but so she it was, worked well. No, and she was really good too in her own way. And I really liked that. Firstly, as we discussed, she's taller than Peter, and he really wants to go out with her. She's also older than Peter, and he's like he's really excited by the idea of dating this girl who's a couple of years older. Yeah, it's Zendaya. I just oh. looked it up because right. I was like, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, well, I, sorry, I've never actually heard it. No, I said. haven't either. That we were both doing it wrong. I just I seen just, it written. I only just looked it up. I was also saying it wrong. Mm. So Zendaya was really, really good, and um, yeah, I think she and I, I'm looking forward to her being integrated into the movies a bit more. Yes, and and all those nods to the 80s high school stuff too. There's a lot of Ferris Bueller in this movie. Including there is a literal <laughs> Ferris Bueller reference. Like, yeah, you literally see Ferris Bueller, but there's also like other bits and pieces that yeah, are referenced, integrated into a reference. Yeah, yeah. And there was another movie that another 80s teen movie that I saw in this movie. Oh, um, it's even got some cinema like, fire uh, in it, but. Is it, was it's not Sixteen Candles or Pretty no, in Pink, is it? No, no. Well, a little bit because of the prom, that prom scene at the end. Yeah, but that's not quite. Mm, I don't know. No, there's another one that I'm thinking of that's not um not a one of those piece. ones. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, I'll, if I remember later, I'll come back. Yeah, to it. no, no. Um, some kind of wonderful is what I was thinking of. Oh, okay. um, there's I some kind of wonderful kind of vibes with the. Um, it's it's quite similar to Pretty in Pink, mm. kind of an idea. Yeah, it's uh kind of a gender swapped. Okay. Pink. Yeah. So oh, I that's just remember why the other I was thinking of some kind of wonderful instead because yeah. it's the guy's kind of choice. The other high school bit that I really like is this running gag of Ngauri Rice and I don't know who the 
boy is playing like the high school news channel <laughs> they and they were so funny that worked really well um, and, and Gary Rice's character Betty Betty something something Betty Brandt Betty Brandt is a character from the comics yeah. who's a, a reporter who works for J. Jonah Jameson later on so it, it's like a nice integration of that but also it's one of the funniest bits she's such a good actress and we talk she's, about this every time we see her in something she's so good she is so and good and she's stealer. so prolific right now mm. she's in everything right now but yeah she is a scene stealer like she was just in the background and we were like oh hey it's Mm. Gary Rice. It got heaps of laughs as well. Yeah. Well, there um, is a lot of laughs in general in this movie. Mm. The kid who plays Ned is fantastic. Mm. He is totally sort of hilarious and and really on top of things. And some of the best sequences in the movie are from him when when he finds out that Peter's like Spider Man. He keeps asking. Do you lay eggs? <laughs> <laughs> that stuff. Um, oh, he's the best. Where he asks him all these awkward, like, spider-related yeah. questions um, that are really funny. Uh, he is, like, does really good physical humor. Mm. When he finds, when when Spider-Man, when Peter walks in as dressed as Spider-Man and he sees Peter dressed as Spider-Man and he drops the he goes, um, <gasps> the Death Star. Yeah. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so he's terrific. And he and, and Tom Holland are great together. Yes, just um, lovely. Just work really, really well. And his little enthusiasm and stuff is nice to see in mm. a movie like this. Yeah. Also, Tom Holland's whole persona in this, his whole kind of, like, I like that they shifted away from the idea that Peter's a nerd and that's an outcast thing. Mm. He's going to an all-scientist yeah. school. So there's no kind of, oh, nerds aren't cool thing yeah. because that's not really an issue anymore. And they get quite specific about the kind of nerd that he is and I am um, unconsciously not being aware of that there's another character actually called this in this in the film. I wrote down Peter the Tinkerer because it shows the real engineering side of him. He's always playing with new ways to do things with web shooters and mm. he's playing with his suits and he's always like experimenting. He's in the labs like setting stuff on fire and experimenting with alien technology in a and way that we don't we haven't seen in the last couple of movies as much. Yeah. And like his little T-shirts as well, which are his T-shirts like have come straight out of the um, wardrobe of our friend Jamie, who yeah. okay, <laughs> an occasional podcast guest with, you know, the things like the fun is real but the physics is theoretical. I didn't write them all down but they were all like amazing science pun type T-shirts. I thought exactly the same thing. I was like, oh, he's stolen <laughs> Jamie's T-shirt. But yes, that that stuff was really, really cute and funny. Mm. But he's like, he's such a dork. Like, mm. you know, he he's so overeager. He's like a puppy. Um, yeah. And you can see why people make fun of him because he's just kind of that earnestness yeah. that is not cool. No, no it's any not point, cool. At any point in any time in history, it is not cool to be that earnest, regardless of whether you're a nerd or not, or whether right. or not nerdism but, is accepted now. But uh, It is, but also earnest, earnestness is more of a thing now. It's it's a lot cooler nowadays to be earnestly into things than it used to be. It is, Very but much. it's still, to be like that kind of, you know, stumbling, bumbling earnestness is, mm. has never really been cool. So, yeah, yeah. I just like that they shifted away from nerd to kind of dork. Yeah, um, into- he rushes into everything head first without thinking about mm. them, which is a but- major plot point and a major flaw, which is... But that's an- that's Peter, though. That's really the character as well. You, you know, this is Peter from the comics. Mm. He also rushes into things like revealing his identity during Civil War, the comic <laughs> Civil War, and all that kind of stuff. Like, he's... Um, it really Impulsive. gets... Yeah, it gets to the heart of the character in a way that I'm is I think really nice. Yeah. So all of that stuff works really well. It's it's particularly good when he plays against John Favreau as happy. Mm, Um, They are such a good comedic pairing in this movie. Like the whole kind of not quite opening post opening pre-credit sequence, like right after the title card comes up with the, with him messaging, 10 minute long Marvel logo with the original Spider-Man theme playing over it. But yeah, then when, when he's messaging, when, no, when he goes first, when he goes to Berlin, 
Yeah, and they do the little like home video of yeah, him yeah. in Berlin oh, and he's with like Happy. Peter Parker. That is yeah. so great. That sequence, that whole sequence and all Happy's little um, interjections. Yes. And John Favreau just seems to be having a blast. Mm. Like he and John Favreau are so good together. Mm-hmm. They have exactly the right kind of comedic chemistry where like John Favreau is so straight faced and such a straight man, such a grump. And mm-hmm. um, Tom Holland is just like bouncing all around him and stuff. It's adorable. Yeah. It works perfectly and mm. they both do a great job. Um, there's so many comedians in this movie too. We saw Tyne Daly. At mm-hmm. the beginning of the movie, which was exciting. She's, you think, is she a comedian? I just she's a comedic act- actress, right? Yeah. Oh, I, I suppose know. not. She's been doing more dramas I and had, stuff I lately. hadn't thought of her as a comedian, but she is, I was just For some excited. reason, I just think that everything I've seen her is I was excited to com- see comedy. her because yeah, yeah. Um, I think it means we'll see more of her in these yes. movies because she's now heading the, well, she her whole job is cleaning up after superheroes. So yeah. I think that means that she's going to be around in these movies a bit more. And then um, Martin Starr who was in Freaks and Geeks, but who Which, I was... By the way, this is written by John Francis Daly from Freaks, from Freaks and Geeks. And Geeks yeah. well, he's one of the writers. There's about six writers. Um, but I thought of Martin Starr as being the star of Party Down, which is a very short-lived Rob Thomas comedy that mm-hmm. also had Jane Lynch and Lizzie Kaplan and Adam Ma- Scott, a um, bunch of other people, and it was great. Mm. But, yeah, that um, Martin Starr has my favourite line in the whole movie, which is a very Katie favourite line. But there's a moment where he's like, I can't lose another student on a school trip. Not again. And you're just like, oh, my God. There's this, like, weird dark past to this minor character. It reminded me of art in Monsters University. Yeah. When he says, I can't go back to prison. I just thought always of you and me taking up. your students on excursions. And yeah. So that was why I thought it was funny. It always cracks me up when they do things like that. Um, yeah. And then Hannibal Buress is one of the teachers as well. Mm-hmm. And the principal is a Howling Commando. Troy. Yeah. Who played one of the Howling Commandos. And you see a picture in his office of him as presumably his grandfather, or the, oh, the actual go. Howling Commando. Cool. I th- yeah, I knew that I'd seen him. in. I just didn't put it together that he was a Howling Commando. Well, I saw this picture of a Japanese soldier and I was like, and then I looked it up afterwards because I was like, that must mean something. That's so cute. Yeah. So um, anyway, there's lots of people in this movie that I liked and appreciated. Mm. That was just fun little things. Martin Starr really made me laugh. He's kind of there like main teacher because he takes them on their excursion to Yeah, he runs the, uh, the, what's it called in America? Like decathlon. De- uh, academic decathlon. Sorry, yeah. when I was at school, I did something called Math Olympiad. So <laughs> equally nerdy. Um, but which has one of the, f- one of the early favorite lines from Tony Revolori, who we saw in the Grand Pink Hotel. Hotel. Yeah. Um, he was in that movie, but he had seen him in something else, I think. Yeah. He's playing a character called Flash. Um, and he flashes is by the way in every Spider-Man. Yeah. And he, um, we, we're first introduced to him using the bell for comedic purposes. And that again is one of Martin Starr's <laughs> lines. I've line told too. you not to use the bell for comedic <laughs> no, no, purposes. He, he said, what have we talked about for using the bell for comedic purposes that killed me? That was yeah, so funny. That was really funny. Um, got, that got big laughs from the audience. Although the biggest laugh from the audience is actually not in the script, but it's the bit where Peter has the corsage in its little plastic box and he hands it to Liz, his prom date and it was so awkward and well because this is okay this is the most brilliant scene in the whole movie Mm. is like you've got this cute little montage peter's asked liz to the homecoming dance and she said yes and it's so exciting helping him get in a suit and and you know um no her name's fallen out of my head too um liz no may May. The actress's name. Oh, Marissa Tomei. Thank you. Marissa Tomei is so freaking cute in this movie that I just about died. She was so great. I got really distracted by her costumes, I have to say. She was like she was costumed from an entirely different movie and it was kind of weird, but yeah. Oh, okay. I just, it was weird. Like all these really high-waisted pants and like yeah, she seemed little to, 1970s but it's clothes. it's all very like 
fashionable Yeah, now. but that's the thing. She was all in like real fashion type clothes. But she's Aunt May, so they're not wealthy or anything. So it was weird. And then I noticed at the end that Marissa Tomei has her own co- – like there's a Marissa Tomei costumer for the movie. Like okay. she had a separate costumer than everybody else. So obviously it was deliberate. I just got kind of yeah weirded out by the way they dressed her in the weird glasses and stuff that she had on. Yeah, but yeah, there's a really cute montage of, of Aunt May and all the rest yeah. of it. And then – and then he go. He turns up at Liz's house and discovers that her dad is the vulture, and like is, follows a really awkward scene in the kitchen. But that, no, but, but that, that, that mood the- change is so good. Yeah, it's so flawlessly executed. As soon as Michael Keaton answers the door, you're just like, "What the hell is going on?" Mm. You know, did he find out who he is? Is he here? And then he he just goes like, "He's so charming and, mm-hmm. and kind," and he's like, "Oh, hey, I'm Liz's dad," and you're like, "What?" And it kind of makes up for the convenience of that with how good the mood is from that point on, That like mm. that whole section of the film. And, yes, so we all know and Peter knows who the vulture is at this yep. point. It's uh, Adrian and what, Toomes. And the, yes, Toomes. Of which, course. Um, anyway, but we don't know – well, we and Peter don't know if the vulture knows who he is. Right. Yeah. And it seems like he doesn't and then – like, but the whole thing is so tense and then Liz shows yeah. up and she has no idea what's going on and it just kind of plays like Peter's nervous. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's that's why it's so, so funny because there's funny. all these like layers of meaning going on in yep. the scene. So when he shoves the corsage at her, everybody in the in the room is like, oh, he's so nervous, it's so dorky. Yeah, and everybody and in the audience like a- is going like, oh, he's so terrified yeah. of this like killer that he knows that this guy is. It's so clever. Yeah. And it is like that's what really good comedy is. Mm. But, and that's and- all in the direction slash acting. Yes. All of that. And then the scene just after that, in the car, in the car, my god, which plays so tense, and Liz just unknowingly revealing these little bits and pieces of information. Then mm-hmm. Dad's starting to put together that this yep. dorky kid in the back seat is actually the you know foe that he's been fighting mm-hmm. through the movie. Ah, oh. and then Michael Keaton just killing that bit at the end where he threatened goes from like so kind of charming to threatening in seconds. Yeah, just brilliant. Much better than the actual finale of the movie. Just that section. Yeah, yeah, I loved that whole bit. Mm. I was so pleased with that. And and Michael Keaton. We should talk about too. Yes. He's so good in this. Yeah. He's one of the better, I think, Marvel. Marvel has a villain problem. We know. Yes. And he's, he's just a good villain. so good. And it's he, it's good because he's on Peter's level as a villain mm-hmm. in that he's not too big a villain, but he's also not like too weak a villain that it seems yeah. like, you know. Because his backstory is a really good story. And yeah. you could ease, very easily read into that about, and in fact, they, they do sort of obliquely refer to the fact that he's this white collar, uh, sorry, blue collar guy. His whole job was cleaning up after the superhero attacks and then Tyne Daly's people come in and take his business away from him. So he's like this white collar guy working for himself who's lost his business and wants to keep his family alive and so falls into selling alien weapons, right? Mm. And he kind of just, and he well, even he makes that choice pretty yeah, early on. Yes, he does. Yeah. I put falls into in very big quotation marks because when he and Peter are in the building together and he's trying to bring the building down on Peter, he's, he talks about – he does this whole speech about guys like us yeah. and he's trying to relate to Peter on the level of you're from Queens, you're a working-class guy, you don't come from a wealthy background and all that. And it doesn't doesn't ring true because this is a guy who goes from being, oh, i got to protect my family, i got a mortgage to pay, to living in this super fancy house yeah. and having all this money and dealing in weapons. Mm. And he kind of like – he's trying to play, make out as though he hasn't changed at all. Yeah. And that's but then super does, interesting on like a socio, you know, like a, a cultural level. Sociocultural analysis level. And But the, also the thing is he talks about how Tony did the same thing. Um, mm. And it's interesting because Tony's journey is the reverse. Mm. His dad did that. 
Tony grew up in immense privilege and he realized that... that, But then he realized that selling weapons was wrong and bad. And he's the guy who's coming out of that and Toombs is the guy coming into into it. it, And it's really like interesting the way that he talks about that. Mm. He's like, how do you think Tony made all his money? And you're like, well, yes, we know that. But that's what he's trying to do. You know, he's spent the last nine years trying to make up for that. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's an interesting parallel Mm. and it's one that goes unsaid in the movie, but you get it as the audience. So yeah, that's that was really interesting. But also... I like how his very, Toombs' very first scene in the movie, his very first lines are about playing, I think he says, playing um, cowboys and Indians. Yes. And yep. And the other guy goes, actually, it's Native Americans. So that you're immediately put offside with Adrian as being like, mm. you know, this guy who's maybe not the most conscious or not the most trustworthy. Then you find out at the end of the movie, his wife's black and his kid's black. And it's like this kind of... It's, Inter- just, it's an interesting paradox of... Like char- it's an interesting, you know, set of complexities that go yeah. into making the character. I, yeah, that's what he's he's got so much going on. One mm. minute he's sympathetic, the next minute he's not sympathetic. And the thing for me that get, that kind of comes down to the wire on this one is um, there's a scene where they take the um, you know, villain shoots his henchman mm. thing, and he kills Logan Marshall Green. Yep, just kills him. And you're like, whoa, that was that took a turn. That came out of nowhere. Yeah. And then he goes, I thought this was the stun gun. Yeah. So this guy is like, he's so kind of gone, so far gone that he like then doesn't react to the death. Like he, so he, his first kill is actually accidental. Mm. But at that point, he kind of realizes that he just he meant to do that anyway. Or he yeah. just is at that point where he's like, I'm too far into this. Mm. Um, and he accepts that and embraces it. And that's when you kind of, that's when he becomes really evil. And yeah. it's, a, I think it's a pretty good twist on the, like, because mm. it's taking this trope and turning it on its head without turning it on its head. Mm. Yeah. I said so somewhere out there, there's a film studies scholar who can write an essay about that character and like the white American baby boomer male. His, his outfit, his costume is like a World War II flight suit, right? That kind of baby boomer it obsession so with that too. war so stuff. Good. And it's just there's if you pull in all the imagery and pause it, I think you could write a really interesting essay just on that character yeah. and the way he started and, and the contradictions in his character. And you could obviously link that all into a whole lot of stuff. And a generation gap between him and the and Peter and Peter and, 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 and his friends. Yeah, yep. it'd be yeah. great. <laughs> it's absolutely fascinating. I thought he. Was, you could even bring Tony into it. Yes, we're right because Tony's sort of somewhere in between the two. I just think it's really interesting. Mm. Yeah, and and so I I thought he he was really really good. I was going to say something, but I got. Like completely caught up in in Michael Keaton. Well, because I mean, he that was such good, such a good choice. Mm. He really and I, killed it. Yeah. Also, and it all, obviously also harks back to Birdman and, and Batman. Batman. And, yeah, I love that he has this like you know winged superhero movie characters. That yes, yeah. before <laughs> that's he, his shtick. Oh, Donald Glover is the other. Oh, yes, that was what this. I was going to talk about. Who's playing a character called Aaron Davis, who in the comics is the uncle of Miles Morales, and he does in fact reference his nephew at one point oh. in the film but he he oh, turns up poor donald glover i know i know <laughs> anyway but like yeah it's it really does suck uh but he gets to turn up I he thought gets it to sucked do anyway because he was in part. like two scenes and it was such a this movie is really good on a device on mm. a diver, diversity front yes like in the high school and stuff in the new york that right we move around but it's almost donald glover's character is almost caricature mm. um but at least he doesn't isn't like just evil that's nice no. yeah 
that kind of put me offside a little bit. I didn't like yeah. that so much. Well, I, it feels kind of, I don't know, I don't know how you'd feel as Donald Glover doing that after he worked so hard to try and get Spider-Man a few years back and he got the voice role and not the on-screen role and then he's now sort of aged out of playing the character mm. so he's got to come in and, I don't know, I, I don't know how he must feel doing that. Um, and it, it kind of it's kind of a bit bittersweet watching it. Yeah, but it's also just not a great role. I mean, the... Uh, he does the best with it, which is to say that he's kind of a, you know, he's like this minor petty criminal who starts to get dragged into something that's way over his head and he realises that he doesn't want to be involved in it and he he backs out of it, which is interesting in and of itself, I guess, but I'm not really sure that it adds much to the overall story of the movie. I mean, he's a he's a plot convenience to go mm-hmm. to take from one step to another. Mm-hmm. Um, and and to help us funny. introduce the Miles Morales character later on. And also the scene is funny. It shows yeah. Peter being bad at his job yes um and donald glover telling him to get better at this part of the job doing mm. the, um, the interrogating interrogation yeah. um it gives us a little bit of building between peter and his suit karen as played mm-hmm. by jennifer connelly mm-hmm. which is an interesting choice is um, she's married to paul bettany who plays jarvis well she was also um betty oh in one of the hulk in one of the movies. hulk movies Oh, well she, I was I just think of Liv Tyler. But yeah, but she was in the, she was in she the was non-canonical in the, um, one. Eric Banner one. Yeah, right. I'd forgotten about that entirely. Yeah. I was more like, oh, that's so adorable. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that too. <laughs> but also because she's already been in them. But no, more because it's it's such a Marvel thing. Like it really ties it into the universe. Mm. Also, getting to watch Peter just be hopeless in with all all the stuff. Like he, <laughs> so he gets Ned to take the training wheels protocol off. Mm. And he completely and cannot the baby monitor the protocol. Mm. So great. Um, yes. Tony's such a little shit. I know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, when he cannot, he can't cope with the suit and he doesn't know what's happening yep. and he's, he just is hopeless. And it gives you something else to worry about in scenes that, you know. Yeah, yeah. And it also, and it allows Tony to come in and say, if you're nothing without the suit, then you shouldn't have it, which means, oh, look at me. I've learned something from Iron Man 3. Yeah, there's that. But that also leads to the worst moment in the movie. So. <laughs> the the bit following the Staten Island Ferry. No. Bit the, where the Peter's bit. hair is completely perfect, even though he's just been through all that. No, the uh, reflection in the water. Oh, bit right. That, that bit, I hate. Yes. I just, like. Uh, my, I, I hate that scene, I think, because I was really caught up in the emotion of Peter being stuck in the building. Yeah. And how ho- helpless he felt and how scared he was. Mm. And the way that they got him out of it was so cheap. That was so kind of disappointing and it really yanked me out of that emotional state that I was in that I don't feel like that was earned at all. Mm. I, I think maybe it would have been good if somebody else had got him out of that situation or if he had, like, talked to Ned and mm. Ned was, like – had said something sweet and encouraging yeah. to him that harked back to something earlier in the movie and then he got himself out yeah. or something that felt a little more organic and real. Mm. And that also annoyed me because then the full action sequence happened after that, but we never felt the weight of his injuries from being crushed by a building. No. Again, like this is my, you know, like I he talked does about have, this before. He, like he does have some healing factors and things like that but he's not quick ones like that though no um yeah spider-man does have healing factor but like part of the good thing about the previous spider-man movie spider-man movies is to see him being hurt and there's actually a good Um, scene in this one early on where he's kind of practicing and he lands on a roof because he like misjudges how long his web can shoot and he kind of just skids out of the way and it's really it's good because you're seeing him mess it up and injure himself and try again yeah exactly but to see him just not have any effect from 
the part that we just watched and then do that again and again. Mm. And I just was like, yeah, jump on. on a plane. And that when the plane crashes, he walks out of it and oh. his face is completely uncut, unbruised, looks perfect. There's no way either of them would have survived that crash. Yes. In obviously. any universe. But not only do they survive the crash, they oh, both no, walk away wasn't from Vulture it. Vulture flying by the end. I think because okay. it's hard to tell what's going on. Yes. But I'm pretty sure Michael Keaton was actually flying behind the plane right. he was, yeah. when it crashed. But Peter was on the plane. Yeah. And he should at least be beat up. This is what I mean. You yeah. have to – all the best superhero movies and all the best heroes are the ones that you see being hurt. If you feel – unless it's like a part of their storyline that they're not, and then you've got to make them vulnerable in some other way, which is a complaint that I've had about Superman and like Wonder Woman. You had to be – you had to make her vulnerable in a different mm. way, right? Yeah. With Peter, they really needed to show what's – him being hurt and they did that I remember that very clearly as being a thing with the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man mm. who is by the way the worst Spider-Man but at least Sam Raimi got that you need to show him hurt when he was all cut up and he was like yeah. torn up over again which is a why very the, similar storyline by the, the way because his love interest was hurt yeah you no know, his dad was evil yeah because after the um <laughs> after the Staten Island ferry bit that, that I was talking about before with Peter's perfect hair he's just like saved all these people who tried that that sequence is he's really really busy and he gets out and he talks to to tony stark and he's like not a hair out of place and he's just I like know. that's stupid of and course he's, so he's emotionally him- vulnerable yeah and he's of course he's hurt himself doing this yeah he's at least you know puffed out and a little bit messed up and his face is red or something but he's he's so emotionally vulnerable in that scene mm. if you cared you would be here which is so good that's yeah. so good show us that physically yeah on him. and and that and yeah exactly and i mean that scene kind of bugged me because it was the green screen was really obvious the lighting looked weird in it as well so that whole scene was just like made me kind of annoyed and it was so it was but it, it's it was frustrating because yeah. it's so well written yeah that is one of the best written scenes like that is it peter is so vulnerable tony is knows he's being his dad and doesn't know how to not be his dad and it's so good and and the worst thing about that again is that it doesn't play out no Mm. Oh, it's funny. I want that to this, play out. And in fact, this movie, it's got the, the ideal version of a problem we sometimes talk about where they've got the people stuff right. They've got the writing right. Mm. But they do, what they don't have right is the action and the look and the feel necessarily. Like, but they've got the, the, the emotion. It the, wasn't uh, the, a great choice of director, if you ask me. Yeah. I, I would have liked to have seen this in the hands of someone with a bit more experience, I think. Mm. Bring I, in a comedy director. Yeah. Like a well-known one. Yeah. You know, that would have been – he and then – or she bring in somebody who could like give it a little bit more. I mean, bring in a comedy director who like you know can do a little so, bit of the action. Yeah, stuff. I would like somebody who's got the action type background because that's what's missing from this. I think they they were relatively well handled for the comedy. But if you've got a good comedy director, they should be able to do the action stuff well enough mm. and do the comedy stuff a bit better. Yeah, I know. I just um, remember watching Spy and we complained about how they did the comedy stuff well but didn't cope with the action very well. Yeah, and I, that's true. That's um, poor thing. Yeah. So, but then he did Ghostbusters, which he loved. So, yeah, I did, and he, he got better at doing the action, but it's still not his best, not his forte. Um, there's that Holtzman scene. Yeah, <laughs> that was a good action scene. That was a really good action scene. That had the whole slow mo speed up kind of stuff. It was great. Mm. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So it shows, I think, in the choice of. Actually, here. this directed by Paul Feig would probably have been better, even if the action stuff wasn't still wasn't as good. I don't know. I I almost feel like they couldn't get Robert Downey Jr. for the finale, and that's why it was underwhelming. Mm. Maybe, In, yeah, or maybe possibly. they just wanted Peter to um 
Peter should be fighting his own battles and solving his yeah. own problems, right? We don't want to. I don't want to Deus Ex Machina the ending by having no. Tony come in and just solve his problems for him. Mm. But you need Tony at the ending because otherwise his their storyline's not complete. Yeah, and it's so cheap to have that little scene at the end. Especially cheap to have Pepper suddenly come in and you're oh, like, whoa, she wasn't even in the yeah, Avengers. Was, oh, hi, Gwyneth. And they could get her for this. I know. Yeah, it's such like, a get, weird, uh, such a weird choice. Not that I minded seeing Pepper again. I love no. Pepper. Don't get me wrong. It's just, it's such a weird well, choice. Yeah. For, well, for such a I think big name actor like, to pop up in such a tiny part, so close to the end, you're like. And then what, would she, what did she get, like third billing or something? It was really crazy. Yeah, it was, actually, speaking of people who had cameos in this, Chris Evans is having more fun than <laughs> anyone doing his Captain America inspirational video. Like he's he does a video for PE class. He's got a video for detention. He's got a video <laughs> for health one. class. The detention one is very and funny. And then at the very end of the film, we have a post-credit sequence all about patience and waiting for things. And That is a direct Ferris Bueller nod yep. straight up because it's a pointless post-credit scene yeah, yeah. in the spirit and, and direct to camera in the spirit of Ferris Bueller's no Why are you still here? Go home. Yeah, no, and nobody's having more fun than Chris Evans saying that. But also they've completely underestimated their audience because I would wait a lot longer <laughs> for a lot less Chris Evans, let me tell yeah. you. I mean, they haven't because it's a that it's people a jo- get the yeah, joke. People get the joke. And also, like, but the, the audience first- is trained now to wait. The mid-credit sequence is actually quite interesting when you see the dude that um, was on the boat who mm. got hurt yep. talking to Tombs and Tombs uh, and trying to get Peter's real name out of him, Spider-Man's mm-hmm. real name, and he protects protects Protect Spider-Man. Peter. Yeah, more interesting. Um, is interesting because we're back to he's sympathetic again, mm-hmm. but also because Peter has now changed him by saving by trying him, to save him. Yep. by being a good person, yep. which is something that we don't often see i think in marvel and it's a really interesting direction for mm. this movie to go in it's a very anti-killing movie as opposed to yeah. say wonder woman that we just saw which where is she just kills people and where she's not even mentioned which is i think it's fine either way to be honest mm. i think you just got to go for it either way yeah. i don't like the superman approach of not going for it either way yeah <laughs> like where they're like oh just let people die and kill people but feel bad about it um i think in wonder mm. woman it's a very kind of this is war we're going to kill the people who are bad and, and, and not feel guilty. Diana's for it. a soldier, don't right. forget. The whole movie is about how she wants to be a soldier despite what everybody else, you know. It's fine. Tells her. That's yeah. fine. And the Peter approach is fine where he's like, mm. I don't want to kill anybody. I want to save people. Yeah. Um, when he races across the street to save his friend in the bodega oh. um, and his cat. Like things like that that just yeah. make you sort of It has a save the cat moment. It does. It has a straight up save the cat moment. But you just feel so much for Peter. Yeah. He is so sweet. And so when he does idiotic things like he does on the boat, mm. you will forgive him because you've already seen him do something really sweet and caring mm-hmm. and you know how much he cares. Yeah. And then when Karen says, Congratulations, you were ninety eight percent successful and he freaks out and then the boat falls apart. That's such good timing. Yeah. Such clever writing. I do think that the writing on this um, really from good. John Francis Daly and his team yeah. is really, really solid. So yeah, I mean I just I think this was a really, really good Marvel movie. Yeah. It feels like its own thing but fits into the Marvel universe. I just wish they'd gotten a better director for it. And I also think that Peter's costume is still not the best, the Spider-Man mm-hmm. costume. I hate the eyes. They make it look like a cartoon to me, the way that they move with yeah. his emotions. It's too much CGI. And a lot of the scenes I was like, because I like the acrobatics and the dancing and mm. stuff, <laughs> I was sitting there for half the movie going, is he going to do some pirouettes? Um mm-hmm. But I would have just preferred to see him do flips 
over the CG Spider-Man, like, doing more impressive things. Yeah. I would have just preferred to see him do stuff. Because it, you know, it is actually really impressive to watch the real actor do the real thing. Yes. This is something that I think they really need to remember, that it's just, it's imp- more impressive. And I think- Look this- at all those gifts that go around Tumblr of Chris Evans doing giant leaps and stuff. Well, look at the, the vine that went all over the place when Tom Holland did all those pirouettes yeah, as yeah. filmed by Zendaya and Laura Harrier. Like, they just filmed him doing pirouettes yeah. on carpet in his socks. Mm. Like, and we're freaking out over it because, and, and I think this is something about the current generation that the filmmakers didn't quite get, mm. is the current generation is not very interested in CG. They don't tend to like it because they've grown up with it so much that they just expect everything to be able to be done in CG. Mm. So they're more impressed with real things mm-hmm. and with, you know, memes and silly things that go around the internet because mm. that's real to them. It's something that they can connect to, something that they feel like they might be able to do if they try hard enough or yeah. that somebody tried really hard to do that. And I think that this movie doesn't quite connect on that level. Mm. Yeah, it, it is really good, but it connects on like an 80s teen movie kind of level and it, it sort of only makes a few nods to kind of the current generation, I think. Yeah. And it could do a little better on that front. Yeah, yeah. And like they've hired probably as young a director as they're going to find. Um, John Watts is like a couple of years older than us. Um, <laughs> so like – I feel like there are younger ones out there, but, but don't yeah, ask me. But then again, we've just complaining about the lack of experience, meaning that the action doesn't work. So, well, yeah, but I was thinking more on the that could be more on the writer's side. Yeah, yeah. And in, if you've got a good, um, or the car, or the fight, yeah, choreographer. yeah. But that's the thing. If you've got a director who's really good with fights and, and has a good fight mm. choreographer, they work with. They don't have to be young. They just no, have no. to understand young people. You don't actually believe it or not. You can be old like me and still kind yes, of have a like bit us more and of John an, Watts. <laughs> yeah, and still have a little bit more of an understanding yeah. of like what kind right. of makes young people tick yes without and- being condescending and gross about it yeah yeah um and it would have been good i think to have somebody a more action oriented director on it but you know it, there are quibbles but this is still i mean this has been really a really fun movie and yeah. it certainly uh makes up for some of the deficiencies in the sony spider-mans that weren't involved weren't marvel involved I, they still upset me <laughs> Yeah. I just pouted, like literally pouted, because I'm just like, poor Andrew Garfield and I, Emma Stone. I, and I feel sorry for them too. They were so good, in, especially in that first Amazing Spider-Man. They really were. But, th- I mean, there is that – and there is that level of fatigue with it. Like when you look back on this movie like 20 years from now, people won't necessarily remember that. But coming out right now, there is that audience fatigue. Now he's made nothing else. No, no, he hasn't, this director. Nothing. Like maybe uh, that Kevin, Kevin, Carr, Kevin, Kevin Bacon yeah. movie. And all the rest of them are like either TV or short films or He's another one films. of those white kids. That they they yeah. should stop doing that unless it's Jordan Vote Roberts. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted you halfway through yeah. this feel. Um, I still probably enjoyed it better than the last two. But the, f- uh, oh, the fatigue of people who are our age or, or, or older who re- who've had like – too many Spider-Man Spider-Man movie six Spider-Man movies in less than fifteen years, and so they seem really close together to us because they're all in our adulthood. But I mean, you know, for a kid Tom Holland's age, the Tobey Maguire ones were old. like when he was a small child. So he probably never saw those, and he may have seen Andrew Garfield, but he would have been a you know twelve-year-old kid or whatever when he saw those. So it's it's kind of an interesting one where. Um, it's made for an audience of today and so it references those earlier films and it references the fact that everybody knows the Spider-Man story and all that stuff. I'll be interested to see how this stands up 20, 30 years from now when people might watch it without any of that baggage. Although, this- of course, by then will it have been rebooted another 17 times by Tom Holland's teenage son or something. The- well, hopefully they'll just switch to Miles Morales soon. But um, mm. the Spider-Man fatigue thing and the confusion of it, this was a necessary kind of decision. 
to yeah. reboot it. It had to be done. It ha- kind of had to. Well, it had to in order to keep in the Marvel to, franchise. In order to what it is. bring him home to Marvel, his homecoming. Um, yeah, exactly. I keep calling this Spider-Man 3, though. It's terrible. Yeah. But it just, like, it's so interesting to me. Sam Raimi was the best Spider-Man director. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first two were well, the best. Mark Webb is another one of those white guys who did a film at Sundance and got picked up for it. He was not good enough yeah. for those movies. Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone deserved better. And um, Sally Field. Thank you. And um, Martin Sheen. Martin did. Sheen deserved better. Yeah. They were such a good cast and they did such a good job. Sally Field. The, you know in the second – oh, is it the first one when um, he's trying to find his parents – and she freaks out and he's like, I promise you, you're enough. And that scene is like so it's heartbreaking. Amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. All of that stuff deserved so much better than Mark Webb. And I'm still annoyed about that. Yeah. And then Sam Raimi's such a good director, but that cast, so apart from Kirsten Dunst, was not good enough. Oh, and Willem Dafoe. Yeah. It was like amazing. Come on. Mm. But like Tobey Maguire was garbage. He really was. There's no emotional connection to Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. Mm. There's nothing that he did that was like – was you know that hit home and tom holland is kind of a nice does is a nice balance and he does a good job and he's so sweet and mm. well-intentioned and everything and it works really well but um i just wish it's, you kind of wish that they could get sam raimi back mm. to do another spider-man even though you get why they can't if he had done this man that would have been amazing like that would have been a great great spider-man movie because he understands the action part he understands the humor he can do iconic shots and stuff like that really well. He just would have really nailed it. It's a shame that they got this boring guy. Yeah. Anyway, what are you going to give it? Um, I'm actually going to go for three and a half because I really did have a lot of fun. Um, let down a bit by the action sequences, but I definitely much rather have it this way where the action sequences let down an otherwise good story than the other way around. So, I'm, yes. yeah, three and a half for me. Um, yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, I'm glad it's this and not like a Fast and the Furious or something like that yeah. where it's like great action scenes. What the hell is going on in this story? Mm. But yeah, I'm I'm kind of torn. I'm going to say four stars, mm. but I might end up reviewing it differently in my written review just because I want to like balance out your three and a half and I think it was really good. Mm. So I'll say four stars for the podcast. Okay, cool. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to read Katie's review of Spider-Man or the other movies that we watched, they're on her website, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. If you want to find show notes or old episodes of our show, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. And if you want to find us on social media, we're at screen underscore queens on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens and tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com on Tumblr. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, does whatever a spider can, spins a web.